Hi, I'm Liz. And I'm Nick. And, and this, this is, is the, the Ultimate, Ultimate Inc. Podcast, where we talk to our friends from the field about their lives off of it. talk about failure. Are you ready to talk about failure? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, today we're going to be talking about failure and resilience, and we're going to be talking mostly about ultimate. But Nick, I have to say, I think something I have on my mind as well when it comes to this podcast is, you know, we've never done something like this before. So what if it's a big failure? <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, it could be a big failure. We'd, like, we could just be the only people listening to it in general. <laughs> Would that be what it would look like to be a failure for you. I mean, either that or we're like we get canceled because one of us said something really bad. <laughs> yeah. What would a failure look like to you? I think, you know, whenever you create something, it's really hard to put it out there because, you know, you're kind of subjecting yourself to criticism from other people. And that can feel really make you feel really vulnerable, I guess. The way I'm trying to look at it is that, you know, this is something that just like has inherent value in and of itself. So I think I'm trying to look at it as like, there's value in the process of putting it together and not trying to focus on like, oh, how many people are gonna listen to this? Like, oh, are people gonna like this? Cause I feel like that can be kind of paralyzing. Yeah. And that's something that like one of my coaches told me when I was playing, when I was growing up was that it's really important to focus on process oriented goals instead of endpoint oriented goals. So like, a process-oriented goal would be like meet once a week to talk about the podcast together versus an endpoint-oriented goal would be like get 100 people to listen to the podcast. So just kind of focusing on like the journey and the process instead of what the endpoint is going to be like, which you really can't control at the end of the day. We can't really control if people are going to like this or listen to it, but we can control you know, and kind of focus on what we can get out of it and what we enjoy about the process of making it. Yeah, that's super interesting because I am, I've always been a very goal oriented person, you know, in my professional life and my private life. And I've always been very end goal oriented versus process goal oriented. Yeah. What are some things that like, if you could think of like process oriented goals for the podcast, like what are some things you're excited about or we could focus on? I mean, I definitely, I was joking when I said, you know, when, if to have nobody listen to the podcast would be a failure because I definitely don't feel that way. I, I, I'm coming in with the assumption that nobody's going to listen to the podcast anyway, and that this will just be an exercise for you and me to, you know, spend some time together, hang out and, and talk about a lot of things that, that we find interesting. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, I think that's something that I thought a lot about when I was starting Ultimate Inc. Like, you know, when you start a project, you never know if people are going to resonate with it or if people are going to like it. But I thought it was just kind of like a fun thing for myself to do, to like chat with people, to kind of get back into the community a little bit and give back to the community as well. Um, and just like talk to people about their stories and like build connections and meet new people. And um, yeah, so I think like, you know, when I was starting Ultimate Inc, it was definitely like I was just kind of focused on like the point of the project and the message of the project and not necessarily like, oh, are people going to like this? Is this something that people are going to, you know, want to be a part of? And I kind of want to treat the podcast the same way, like just kind of focusing on the message and 
what we're trying to do instead of like, oh, is this going to be something a lot of people will like or listen to? But yeah, I hope, I mean, I hope people like it and resonate with it. And I hope we don't get canceled. (laughs) (laughs) Well, don't say any racist stuff. Famous last words. Yeah. Um, Yeah, for me, I definitely think some of my, my goals are, you know, to work on my, my public speaking. Um, I, I think that I'm in general, a fairly good public speaker already, but, um, sometimes I feel like I talk way too fast. And so this is a good place for me to, to practice slowing down and, and really thinking about the things that I want to say in detail before actually saying them, you know? Oh, that's a good one. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. yeah. Um, also using less filler words like, you know, and like all the time. Yeah. Well, I can just edit those out too. So, <laughs> well, we okay, great. Thank, thanks. Uh, or I could edit them I in. <laughs> right. We just put, just have one episode where I say like a hundred times. Yeah. Just like I'll really mess with your audio. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just take uh, the worst parts of what you said and the best parts <laughs> of what I said and I'll turn it into. You're, you're, you're going to get me canceled. You're going to cancel me. <laughs> <laughs> your co-host. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it's funny i was watching um i was watching this documentary series on netflix it's called drive to survive it's uh about formula one and it's so interesting because uh, i like watch some of the races live and then i watch this documentary series and they they edit it very very sneakily sometimes to to create false drama and i think that that's really interesting when people like you know edit stuff so that it's different from how it was in real life, but it creates this this drama or this, you know, tension. It's so interesting. Okay. So maybe if people don't, nobody listens to our podcast, we can just re-edit it so that there's more <laughs> <Yeah>. drama. <laughs> exactly. Good idea. <laughs> yeah, we, don't, we can just deviate away from the message and just have a really dramatic podcast that you just can't stop listening to. Anyways... <laughs> Let's get back to the topic at hand. We can, if we need to add more drama later, we'll add more drama. But uh. so when I play, and I can be really hard on myself if I throw a turnover or if I miss a catch I should have made, or you know, if somebody gets makes a really good play on me when I'm defending them. You know, I can walk off the field and I can I can be really hard on myself. I think a lot of us probably feel that way sometimes. Um, But something you told me actually at sectionals last year kind of stuck with me when I was trying to figure out like how to be resilient in these moments. Um, Because I think, you know, after I did something good, I would feel really good about it. And after I did something bad, I would feel really bad about it. And I would kind of like use these incremental markers to like judge the rest of my playing or like how I, who I was as a player. And something you told me is like, just thinking about like all of this as data points on in like a scatter plot. And like, sometimes you're going to do something that's really amazing, like towards the top. And sometimes you're going to do something that really isn't that great. That's towards the bottom. But like this collective dots of like all of the actions that you do, like describes you as a player. Like you can't look at like one thing that you've done, whether that's good or bad and let that determine like your own judgment of yourself as a player. Yeah, I do believe that, you know, I think that a lot of people like to judge themselves on the last thing they did. And, and I'm not sure that that's necessarily a good metric for anything that we do in our lives. Right. You know, yeah. I think that it's a really good 
way to think about life as, you know, like you were saying, all of the things that you've done over time. And, you know, I think it's a better, it's a better measure of quality than, than just the last thing you did for sure. Yeah. And I just thought that was really helpful. Yeah. I'm glad that it resonated with you because I think a lot of people definitely think of, you know, the last thing they did as either the most important or, or a good benchmark or a good indication of where they are. But um, I don't know. I just think that there's a lot, there's a lot of data out there about what we do. And that is a much better indication of who we are or where our skill lies. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like kind of looking at like a cumulative picture of who we are as athletes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I think that can be really tricky because, you know, we're coming into tryout season right now. And when you're trying out, you know, somebody's not really looking at your cumulative effort. They're looking at a snapshot of who you are as a player on a certain day. And I think different people handle that differently. You know, somebody who is an excellent player might, you know, just get kind of choked up um, with that kind of pressure and or maybe is just like having an off day or does some things that are just kind of lo- lower points in their own scatter plot. Um, so, I, you know, I think all of us are kind of have anxiety and nerves kind of going into tryouts um, for those of us who are playing club at least. Yeah, so it's a little bit hard to know exactly how to approach that, I think. I think, to be honest, like I think in my own head, I'm kind of going into it with a similar mindset as the podcast. I'm trying not to look at it in terms of like a goal, like make you make the team or you don't make the team because, you know, at the end of the day, that's not really something I can control, but I can control, you know, getting a lot of throws in before I show up on that day or, you know, spending some time and working on a couple things that I want to work on or get better at before tryouts happen or, you know, just making sure like I'm hydrated or I didn't, you know, I've like taken a couple days off beforehand to just kind of let my body rest before um, the tryout day happens or, you know, just like kind of focusing on the little things I can control and then showing up and just remembering kind of like focusing on the message, I guess you could say in the same way as the podcast, like just focusing on like the love that I have for the sport and just kind of playing my game and not spending energy like evaluating or judging myself or being hard on myself if I make a mistake but instead just kind of focusing on playing the game for the love of it and um, just trying my best and trying not to judge myself or be too hard on myself if everything doesn't go perfectly which of course it's not going to and just kind of figuring out how to come back from those moments I guess yeah it's it's interesting I I'm not sure that I've ever thought of myself as a good auditioner or tryouter or you know test taker or anything like that you know I think I think you and I are different in that I maybe care about ultimate frisbee a little less than you do and so for me it's always been about I'll go to a tryout and just have fun and and see my friends that I know and have a good time and do the athletic adjacent things that I know that I can do and throw around a frisbee a little bit and you know I've always kind of have in the back of my head that, oh, yeah, I'm not really going to make this team. So I'm just going to have fun and do whatever I want to do, you know. But honestly, I think that's like a great way to approach it almost being excited and about the friends you're going to see and about playing Frisbee instead of being anxious about the outcome. I think it's probably a good recipe. But of course, that's hard, I think, probably for a lot of us to get into that mindset. And if it is difficult to let yourself enjoy or like let go of those anxieties. I think that's perfectly normal as well. 
Um, have you ever read The Inner Game of Tennis? I've actually been told by many people to read this book, but yeah, I have not read it Yeah, it's amazing. It's really good. It's all about like sports psychology. And um, the whole premise of the book is like that we have these two selves, self one and self two. And self one is the kind of part of us that's judgmental and critical and is like always evaluating our actions. And self two is just kind of like our body naturally performing the mm-hmm. sport. So like, you know, if I throw a Frisbee and it's not, that's like self two is the self that's throwing the Frisbee. And then self one is the one who's judging. Oh, that was a good throw. Oh, that was a bad throw. And the whole premise of the book is like, it's kind of amb- like what we can do is already amazing. The fact that we can run around, the fact that, you know, you can see somebody across the field and just throw a Frisbee to them and get it, you know, close to them without even like thinking about how to move your arm or how to move your body is really incredible and amazing. And the whole point of the book is like, we should kind of trust more in our own bodies, like inherent learning ability, instead of feeling like we need to be judging ourselves all the time or critical of ourselves. And like, that's not really just focusing on that part isn't really the best way to kind of improve our own skills. It's just to kind of be, let our body learn in like a childlike way almost, you know, like a child Mm -hmm. when they're learning how to walk isn't like constantly evaluate, oh, this is good, this is bad, oh, I fell, oh, that's terrible, you know, it's just the kid is just kind of like figuring out how to walk and then walks and there's no kind of like back and forth dialogue about it and we should kind of approach like our own mentality in sports in the same way. And I thought that was really powerful. I like that a lot. I think you know, I can be really judgmental and critical. So I think something that I'm trying to do is to get away from that a little bit in myself. And you know, that's but that's a practice. Yeah, I think that that's a really interesting way to look at it. What's your background with failure? <laughs> like, what do you mean? <laughs> my therapist asked me this question the other day, like what? And we were talking about, you know, my my background behind failure, because it, it's such a like our for failures as people, it shapes our, our approach to things so much, right? It's so true. Yeah. I've had a lot of big successes in my life and I've had very few failures and sometimes I'm a ri- I'm afraid to take big risks, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, so it also keeps me less attached to certain things. So like, for instance, like I was saying before, I care a little bit less about Frisbee than a lot of people that may be listening to this podcast. And, you know, that's because, you know, if I have the, the goal to make nationals and I don't do it, then that's a failure. Right. But if I'm just like, well, I I don't care that much about Frisbee and I make nationals, then that's like awesome. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It can be hard to goal set if you're afraid of failing and it's easier just to say, Oh, I don't really care about this or it's not that important to me than to really, you know, put your heart on your sleeve and really dedicate yourself to something if you don't know if it's going to work out or not. Yeah, absolutely. When I was in um, high school, I was always really nervous before taking a test. Mm-hmm. And my dad w- would tell me, get a B. It's not that big of a deal. <laughs> like, if you get a B, it's not going to be the end of the world. So just get a B. He didn't want my anxiety of the whole situation to detract from, you know, my enjoyment of learning the subject or my confidence in myself or anything like that. You know, when I took a break from Ultimate, like, I consider that to be a failure too. Like I wrote mm-hmm. about this in my Ulti World article, but you know, I felt like, you know, I had a lot of momentum when I was younger. Um, and then there was one summer 
where I tried out and every club team I tried out for, I did, I didn't make the team and I was really devastated. Um, but you know, that opened doors for me, um, in other ways, in ways that I might not have been able to take advantage of if I had been playing club that summer. And I felt like I grew a lot and learned a lot about myself from spending time focusing on other things. So I think, you know, in a certain way, like every time you go for something and you don't get it, there's a lesson to learn from that. And also you become, I think, less afraid of failing in the future. So you're not afraid to put yourself out there in the same way as you might have been before you failed, which I think is really powerful. Yeah. I, th- I think it's interesting because, you know, I, in the last 10 years, I didn't, I haven't really thought about this a lot because so when I was a kid, I was, you know, a child actor. And so I would go to auditions, you know, I don't know, one, two, three auditions a week. And 99% of those auditions, you, you, you get told that, no, you're not going to get this job. And I think that that prepared me a lot for the rest of my life in that being told no doesn't feel like a failure to me anymore. It just feels like, oh, it's just not, this is not the right fit or whatever, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think in a lot of ways, it's allowed me to do a lot of different things and try a lot of different things. And and I don't fear necessarily being told no. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's something my therapist actually told me the other day was that a failure doesn't define you. It doesn't change who you are or what you bring to the table. It doesn't take away any of the skills that you have. You still have everything that you had before the failure happened. And now it's just a matter of kind of like finding another opportunity or, you know, taking time to kind of mourn a loss perhaps, or, you know, rebuild that confidence in yourself, which is real, you know? I think a failure can really throw you off in certain ways or like kind of bruise your ego a little bit. And I think you it does take time to really get back on your feet exactly. I want to talk about like one of my favorite plays. A lot of people have a favorite play in Ultimate that they've seen somebody make. Um, and I have one, but I think it's a little bit different from maybe most people's. I was one of my coaches in high school. I saw her play a, co- a college game at a tournament once. And she she's an excellent player. Um, she was on the Pitt women's team. And there was one point in the tournament that I saw her drop it four times. Oh, and... Man. Yeah, which is would just be I I would be totally devastated if I dropped it four times in a certain point. But she didn't stop going for the disc. She didn't stop the way she was playing. She just kept working after every single drop she got on defense. And then when there was a turnover, she was back on offense again. You know, she was there. She was going for the disc. She was giving it everything she got. I think sometimes, you know, if I throw a turnover or if I, or, you know, if I drop something, then I'll be a little bit more timid. I like won't be as aggressive to go for the disc or to ask for the disc or to put myself in a position, like a power position where I'm going to be a part of the play because, you know, I'll be kind of nervous that I'm going to make another mistake again. And, you know, I just think that was a really powerful example of that after, you know, after you mess up, after you make a mistake, you shouldn't back off. You should remember that, you know, you're there for a reason, you're on the field for a reason, you're on the team for a reason, and everybody makes mistakes sometimes, and that's okay. And it doesn't, it's not going to define the thing that you do next. It's not going to define who you are as a player. It's just an opportunity to be resilient. And now, um, when I play, if I make a mistake, I'll make a point to do the same thing again. 
So like mm -hmm. if I throw a turnover, the next time that there's a turnover, I'll go over and I'll pick up the disc just to like get it out of my system. Or, you know, if a girl runs deep on me, the next point I'll ask if I could guard that girl just to kind of like have, an, have another opportunity to get another rep in and to get some more practice and to get better and improve. And also just to kind of get out of my own head and make sure I'm not avoiding situations where I'm nervous about making another mistake. Yeah, I think that that's really important. It's like getting back on your horse kind of thing when you fall off. You gotta, yeah. you gotta just get back on and do it again because otherwise yeah, you'll be yeah. scared of it. And that's really exactly, a big yeah. deal, you know? After you make a mistake, just being able to like get back out there and put yourself back out there again, I think is really important. And it's definitely something that's really difficult, something that I'm like trying to work on a lot in the way I'm playing right now. I think, I think the other thing is finding a team that, that encourages you in the correct ways and, and, and a team that you can foster trust with. Absolutely. I've definitely been on teams before where if you make a mistake, you get, you get taken off a line or, you know, you make a mistake, mm -hmm. you, they don't throw to you. And that is a really, for me, that's been a bad place to be. And my, the team that I play with, you know, during the club season, it's like the most encouraging and the most trusting team that I've ever been on. You know, it's, it's a team where everybody always encourages me to, to go pick up the disc or to go do the same thing over again, even after I've made a mistake. And, you know, it's, it's a team that every time you make a mistake, they go, Hey, you know, that was okay. We could have done better, but you know, it was a mistake. Let's go do it. The same thing ever, uh, again, because we can do it and we know that we can do it and that's okay. That's awesome. I think that's so important because I've definitely played on teams where like if you make a mistake, you get yelled at or you get taken off or it's the end of the it's the end of the world. And like, I just don't think because everybody is going to make a mistake. You know, it's like sometimes just things just don't work out. Right. And I think that should be OK. And I think that's important to have a part of team culture that like encourages resilience or that figure out what people need to, you know, get back out there and be performing their best because I really don't think it's being yelled at. <laughs> Yeah. Um, this was like maybe one of my favorite moments on the field recently was I was at I, it's so funny because it was actually at layout and you don't think about like layout as being a great like time for <laughs> ultimate you know usually but yeah. um, I was playing on a team and this isn't a group of people that I play with very often and I find that sometimes if you play with a group that you don't play with very often and you make a mistake or if you throw it away or if you don't catch something, sometimes people will be reluctant to throw it to you again. And so in this situation, there was a point where I, you know, I saw an opportunity deep and I, I shot my shot and it went out the back and I was thinking like, oh, darn, I bet, you know, nobody's going to want to throw it to me again after this. And then Kieran Kelly from he's on mixtape. He said, OK, guys, we're going to do that again. Somebody's going to catch the disc and they're going to give it to Liz and I'm going to go deep for her and she's going to throw that throw again because I know she can make it. <laughs> and honestly, that was just like so awesome. And so we did it and it worked and it was awesome and everybody was so excited. And I was, I just thought that was so cool because I definitely wasn't feeling very confident after that one moment, but then, you know, just to have somebody kind of like believe in you and encourage you and then to like make it happen. And that was just really special. I just wish that there were more people like that. And there were more teams that kind of had that same kind of energy that after you make, made a mistake, you know, there was an opportunity to get better or improve or learn or try again instead of like just getting criticized. Because I don't think that's necessarily like what is the best for most people. Yeah. And, and I haven't played on a lot of high level teams, but I definitely like... 
I definitely think that that encouragement breeds more encouragement and, you know, confidence breeds more confidence. And, and, and the opposite is also true, right? If you're not confident in yourself, then other people won't be confident in you. And if they're not confident in you, you're definitely not confident in yourself. And it's just, it's a vicious circle yeah. and, it gets, and it just breeds more, more drops or more bad feelings, you know, and it's just, yeah, it's, for it's, sure. it's exponential in both ways, I think. Yeah. So I guess there's like, work to be done for every team in terms of team chemistry. And there's also like work that we need to be doing like on our own time with ourselves to kind of instill that confidence in ourselves so we can bring that to the field as well. And I think like, you know, this is all lessons that can be brought to other situations as well, like being at work or like in your relationships, you know, if something doesn't go quite right, like being able to be resilient from that and come back from that and learn from that and carry your confidence into your next situation, I think are all kind of things that we can practice like while we play ultimate, being resilient and coming back from a failure and learning from our mistakes. And, you know, not trying not to judge ourselves, trying to give grace to other people around us as well, too. I wonder about like high level teams and how they kind of approach this, because like there are times where making a mistake could cost you a championship or, you know, could like just make everybody else really bummed out. You know? <laughs> so like, yeah. how can you kind of foster an atmosphere where people aren't so nervous about making mistakes that they can function at their peak, you know? Because I think, like, if you're afraid, you can't really play the best that you can play. But if you're not afraid, are you opening the door to making an error then? It's interesting. For me, a thing that I, I often think about is flying airplanes, you know? Mm, and mm -hmm. in flying airplanes, if you if you make a big enough mistake, you know, you, you can kill yourself very easily. Yeah. And so for me, it's a lot of practicing and doing things over and over again to make sure that I have a baseline of competence or com confidence, both of those things. I have a base level confidence and competence that I can do certain amount, certain things. Right. And then everything on top of that is, you know, is, is improvement or better than that. And, and I wonder if that's how, you know, these, these high level teams think about things, you know? Is that, you know, you have a, a certain, you have a certain baseline that you know that everybody on this team can do and everybody is expected to, to be able to do. And, and anything on top of that is, you know, is gravy pretty much. Yeah. Instead of focusing on like, don't throw a turnover because, you know, that's like two people and there's like chemistry involved and it's tough to always like a lot have that alignment, I guess, when, you know, yeah. things are moving so quickly. And, you know, the defense is really excellent as well. Right. Instead, uh, like, focusing on, like, okay, everybody has these fundamental skills. This is the best roster that we could pick in terms of fundamentals. You know, everybody's yeah. going to make mistakes. And we're just accepting that by being in this situation, in, in this environment. And, everybody, like, just instilling a reference for, like, reckless, don't be reckless, make, like, safe choices and safe throws and... Try, right. everybody's going to, you know, be committed and try their best. So just, I guess, focusing on like coming back to what we were talking about at the beginning, these like process oriented goals instead of endpoint oriented goals would be kind of the way to go about that as a team leader, I suppose. Yeah. And I think it's, it's a lot about playing within yourself, right? Like as a, as an individual player, you know, I know that this is my range, right? It's between 
you know, X and mm-hmm. X and Y. And if I'm in between those points, everything in there is good, right? If I, if I'm way, if I try too hard, then it gets bad. Or if I try not hard enough, it's also not good, right? But if I'm in this, yeah. in this sweet spot, then, then, you know, I can do a little bit of wrong, but it's, it's harder to do wrong. One of my mentors said, like, if you're not putting yourself in positions where you're failing, you're not really pushing yourself as far as you could really be going. Because once you start failing is, you know, once you kind of start reaching the edge of your capabilities and recognizing what those are. So if you make every team that you've ever tried out for, maybe it's time to start trying out for teams that, you know, are a little bit out of your reach. But as we talked about, too, like it can be scary to kind of set goals if you're not exactly sure if you're going to succeed or not. But I mean, you're also not going to be able to take advantage of every opportunity that the world has to offer you if you're not putting yourself in positions where you might not be successful either, right? Yeah, 100%. I think that it's... uh... We as humans love to push ourselves to do bigger and better things. And we are in the perfect time to do that, right? You know, there's there's social media and we're, we're we all like to brag about ourselves. And so um, it's cool that we we have the ability to to show everybody else the things we're doing and, and give them the ability to, to be better than us too, you know? Yeah. But it's also hard to like share failure too, I think. No, yeah, for sure. Like you can post like, oh, I got a new job in the same way, but you can't post like, oh... You know, I got fired because, (laughs) you know, whatever. (laughs) You can't like people don't really post that in the same way. So like it's hard. I think we don't really have as much of a vernacular for talking about our failures like we talk about our successes. Yeah, 100 percent. I think that it's it's definitely scary to be vulnerable and tell people that, you know, this thing happened and I sucked at it, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Of which there are a lot of things that I suck at, by the way, just for everybody's knowledge. <laughs> yeah, but I, mean, I think it's it's hard to know, like, yeah, I don't know. It's hard to ask for feedback. It's hard to ask for help. And I think that's something I'm definitely, like, learn, trying to learn about and work on myself. Um, but, yeah, it's a process. And that's something that this was, I think failure was, like, one of the things I was the most excited to talk to people about. Because, like... You can't really get to the level of like some of these athletes if you can't accept and come back from and be resilient in the face of failure, you know, because everybody makes mistakes. Everybody's learning and growing and you can't like learn and grow to the highest echelon of the sport if you're like if you get hung up on failure or if, you know, you're not putting yourself out there because you're afraid of failure. You know, you can't really get to the peak if that's what you're worried about. So I'm kind of curious about how people navigate that. And also like the kind of team fundamentals and chemistry surrounding failure as well. Yeah, I think I think it goes back to what we were talking about before in terms of, you know, having uh, process oriented goals about, you know, being out there and I'm going to I'm going to go out here and I'm gonna have fun with all my friends or I'm going to go out here and I'm going to, you know, run as fast as I can. Or I'm going to go out here and complete a hundred throws in a row, you know, yeah. things that you can, you can control, um, versus like going out there and saying, Oh, I'm going to make this team for sure. Cause you know, I, I feel like that's way less fun than saying, Oh, I'm going to go out here and, and, and have fun with my friends. And it'll, yeah. and if you go out there and say, I'm going to go have fun with my friends, then it, it encourages you to, to do more of that. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think something I'm curious about, like coming into tryouts for myself is like, 
should I be focused on like playing really safe defense, like very standard, very safe defense, very standard, very safe offense, where I'm like not throwing turnovers, where I'm not letting my girl get, you know, to the open side? Or should I be like trying to get noticed, right? Like, should I be like putting up things that are a little bit riskier? Like in terms of big throws, should I be trying to like punch things into the end zone to like score to like score points? Should I be like poaching off so I could get a big D? Like going into a tryout, like should you be doing things that are a little bit riskier or like a little bit unconventional to try to get noticed? Or should you just like try to play standard so that you're not, you know, you're not taking as many risks, you're throwing a higher percentage of completions? I don't really know. I don't know like exactly what the strategy is there. So I've asked this question to to some coaches of like good teams. And oh, yeah. one of the responses that I got from somebody that I, I, I really admire and respect it has been, has been a coach for the last couple of years of, you know, one of the top men's teams in the country is that you should have one thing that you're good at that sets you apart from everybody else. And And the way that I interpreted that in terms of what your question was, was, you know, you can... You know, I think in general, playing conservative is good and having one thing, one one kind of thing where you are a little bit more risky. Right. So like whether that's, you know, you know, I'm going to complete every single pass that I take, but I'm sometimes going to lay out on defense and try to get that disc or, you know, I'm going to play the best shutdown defense I can. But every once in a while, I'm going to throw a big huck that I I feel like I can throw. Yeah, that's that's how I interpreted that advice. Oh, I like that a lot. I'll have to figure out what my one thing is before <laughs> before the tryout. My one thing is is, is heckling my own team. So, just uh, FYI. <laughs> I think your one thing is wearing fanny packs. Ooh, yeah. I uh, did I show you my new uh, my new <laughs> fanny packs that are attached to my slides. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and wearing like colorful shorts. Yeah, I mean, if you wear color- colorful clothes, then then they won't forget you. You know, that's my. Yeah, there you go. That's my. Right. Uh, Is that how you made shade? You just like wore really colorful clothes at the tryout. Yeah, and I brought everybody. Um, I brought everybody watermelon. I think one time. And no, like, you did that. Oh, did you actually? Yeah, I did. I brought, I cut up a whole watermelon and brought it to, to like one of the tryouts and everybody's like, oh man, this is awesome. <laughs> and then, and then after that practice, they gave me a, a spot on the team. <laughs> <laughs> no way. That's so funny. Yeah. In my mind, that's correlated. Don't take that away from me. <laughs> Maybe I should try that. Yeah, no, you're, so your number one thing is brings fruit. <laughs> yeah. Be, be, be fruit guy. You know, you gotta, you gotta bring some food and fruit for everybody. Okay, okay, yeah, I like that a lot. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll, um, maybe that can be my one thing. <laughs> Thanks for listening. This is Nick and Liz. Don't forget to follow Ultimate Inc. on Instagram and have a great day. Also, visit our sponsor, Eminem. No, we're not sponsored M&M. by Eminem today. <laughs> no, Eminem. No. Have a wonderful day.